It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. I don't think it's particularly close as a competition. Better Call Saul, I think, is the best show on TV right now, and we have a great mailbag question that ties in Better Call Saul later on, and we have a great guest who shares my <laughs> affection for the TV show here on the other line. Welcome to Lockdown Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News. Uh, you all sent in some great questions that we'll get to on today's mailbag episode. But I want to first welcome Dieter Kurtenbach, my colleague over at the Mercury News, the sports columnist over there, who is now here with me today. Dieter, what what is the way, before we get into all this other stuff, what is mm-hmm. the way that you are passing the time that most surprises you? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, a lot more cleaning than I thought I'd generally be doing, but apparently not enough cleaning. Um <laughs> Doing some it's, okay, so it's, is yeah. it because the wife is telling you to be cleaning or because you are just sitting around and suddenly getting the itch to clean? It'd be the latter. It'd be the latter. Okay. And then, um, yeah, a lot of YouTube. Uh, we, we, we just use a Roku in the house, and uh, I, I'm surprised. I watch a lot of YouTube in general. I'm surprised at how much YouTube uh, I'm watching now that there's really no restrictions. So um, it's kind of the normal stuff, just amplified, right? It's one mm-hmm. of those, you know, we're, we're lucky in, in our business that we have a more or less a kind of a laissez-faire uh, attitude towards time, right? Somebody else makes our schedule. And now that those schedules no longer exist, um, we are sort of left to our own devices. And I'm not sure if we ever um, were fully trained in how to do that. So it's a lot of the things that you do to waste time normally just sort of amplified and put forward day by day. But it's been okay. It hasn't been uh, all that bad. There's plenty plenty to do in sort of the menial jobs around the house. And uh, I don't I don't mind a little busy work. Yeah, I've used I used to be an efficient person in my wasting of time, right? <laughs> like I was I was definitely uh I was I was shooting from the corners, so mm-hmm. to speak, and mm-hmm. now and now I'm a volume wasting timerer. Like I <laughs> I, I am You're the Dion Waiters like, of wasting time now? I, I am the Dion Waiters of wasting time. There was a great <laughs> there was a there was a video. Did you see this video of Dion just roller skating in his house? Why not? I feel like that is that is me. That's just that's my energy right now. I, I am just yeah. roller skating around my 400 square foot apartment right now, just <laughs> at all times. Uh, I I've been able I've to been... get outside at all. I mean that that's that's been the key. Getting some sun every day when it's out, obviously, has yep. been uh has been really beneficial. I think. Yeah, it's the vitamin D, as the scientists yeah. keep saying. Um, that's really important. Uh, I've tried. I've, I try to get outside once a day, even if it's just for a little while. I live so close to Union Square. I'll right. just walk to Union Square and back. Um, yesterday I went to a park. I can't remember what the park was called, but I went to the park <laughs> with a friend and we just, we sat like eight feet away from each other on towels in this park, which didn't stop the dogs from just like humping your leg anyway. Cause right. they don't abide by social distancing whatsoever no idea. and no clue. They're completely unaware of it. And, um, that, that was, that was nice to like sit outside for like an hour and just like talk with a friend and, and just be out in the sunshine. Hopefully like it's supposed to be clearing up out here in the Bay area. So we'll be able to do a lot more of that. Yeah, for I, sure. I guess now. But I'm literally like hanging out on my fire escape half the time too, which I'm not sure is legal. Um, eh. Just to like be outside. Uh, I, I, think, yeah. I think that's a I think that's a splendid idea. The other thing, I mean, now that I actually give it like half a moment of pause, like I've been working out a bunch, which is pretty abnormal Ooh. given my normal schedule and uh, and habits. Yeah, no, it's uh, I, I almost signed up for a Peloton. I don't even own a Peloton, nor do I have the space for a Peloton. I just like I think I just want to give them my money. Right. Um, before we get into the mailbag questions, it's favorite season week here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And you were around for the first Warriors championship season, mm-hmm. which is rare among media types. The, the Warriors media scene strangely like, kind of churned through a lot of people through, like the I would say, the beginning periods. Right before Kevin Durant arrived, 
like with Durant's arrival sort of arrived an entire new media scene. It kind of felt like with the Warriors, not that I'm speaking from experience, but just being able to me going back and researching, it's just completely different bylines. You're going back and it's like, you have columnists here and there. Uh, you, you have been around. Um, you've got some columnists for the Chronicle that have been around, but like the beat reporters have all changed. Everybody's basically changed. Even radio has changed mm-hmm. dramatically, you know, in the Bay area since the beginning of the Warriors dynasty to the end. But again, you were one of the rare people that were around for the entirety of the whole thing. Which of those seasons, and maybe this is a tough question, but yeah. which of the seasons did you enjoy covering the most? Gave this some thought. Uh, I would have to say it was the 73 win season just because of the regular season was so engrossing. Um, despite the fact that they clearly won the title last year, there was a certain level of uh, chip on the shoulder that they had in that year. Uh, a lot of people thought that they were kind of a one-off and a fluke and, and not the revolutionary force that they turned out to be. And uh, they just kind of went out and decided to <laughs> lay down the law for 82 games, and they won 73 out of them. And the the most enjoyable part of sort of this five, six-year Warriors um, experience that I've had, in which I've been extremely, I, I'll never, I'll never tell you any otherwise. Like I've been extremely fortunate. I got on the bandwagon at the right time and it has made my career in so many ways. Um, you mentioned the, the, the change in scenery. I mean, I went national and I was a national columnist at Fox sports during the first two Durant years. So I, I rode that wave to a national thing. Now, then of course they fired everybody at Fox sports and I came back to local a move that I was very happy happened long-term, but um, it, it is wild as kind of being part of this the entire time and having a couple of different roles during this time, starting at KMBR as a writer and getting their written content going over there and then going to Fox and being a national guy and then coming back and being, you know, the, the, the Merck's columnist. Um, I think the one that really stood out was, was that 73 win year and particularly the run that they had at the beginning of the year when they started off undefeated, I think through 24, 25 games, that was as engrossing of content as you could have gotten because they were, it felt like they were in a perfect cohesion. They certainly weren't at the peak of their powers. We found out how much stronger they could get when Kevin Durant showed up, but there was just this wonderful symbiosis with everybody. It was, it was like they reached basketball nirvana, but they also had this edge to them. And uh, the 73 was incredible today. The day we talk of uh, the anniversary of the 73rd win. And then those playoffs, not all that interesting for being totally honest, <laughs> but then getting to the NBA finals as interesting in NBA finals as I can remember. I know Warriors fans won't like me saying it, but I think about the 2016 NBA finals a lot a lot more and not in some forlonging way, like what could have been for the Warriors, but more to the effect of after they went up three, one, it was done. It was over. It was kaput. I wrote as such, and am still reminded by Clevelanders that I, I thought they were done. LeBron didn't have enough around them. Um, and, and the way that that series turned was incredible. And I've never seen anything like it in that game seven. Uh, I remember in vivid detail having been there. So uh, that 2016 finals was as interesting and I'm as grateful for being there as any series I've experienced. Uh, and then that regular season was just absolutely incredible. So I'd have to go with uh, the 73 win team overall, but there are a lot of really good junctures that first season kind of love at first sight, sort of a thing, understanding that this was something special, even though I was just sort of jumping on the bandwagon. Then um, the, the, you know, the last year with Kevin Durant was fascinating in yeah. and of itself and in all of the nuance and innuendo and craziness that was happening there. Um, but yeah, I would have to go with 73. It's interesting that you named the 73 win season because uh, Bob Fitzgerald was on last week mm-hmm. and said the same thing. And yeah. I, I introduced him in a similar way that I introduced you and in saying that it's, it's locked. It's uh favorite season week here on locked on podcast. And, and all it's because we, we we were doing two weeks of it, right? And I told him that that last week we were focusing entirely on the uh, first championship, the 2014-15 season, mm-hmm. and um and he just flat out said that that's wrong. That's the wrong season to have picked. Yeah. And I know a lot of my listeners right now are rolling their eyes because they know exactly where I'm about to go with this. But I put out a I I, I got on here and was wondering why isn't NBC Sports showing anything from that finals at all <laughs> like that 73 win season they are completely ignoring the fact to that be, it happened to be fair i just i just watched game six of that the other night i think it was saturday night uh, it was they, they had it, it on yeah yeah and so uh but like to me it was oh, wait was that on nbc sports or was it nba tv that had it on 
Um, it was. I, I'm pretty sure it was NBC Sports. Okay. They had the Outsiders come on. They still had the CSN graphics going. It was. Um, yeah, but it, you know, Saturday. I was night, ahead of my buried. time. I yeah. was ahead of my time. I was two weeks ahead of my time. Well, they heard but the I, podcast that, and they said, we got to rectify this immediately. That's like absolutely what happened. And uh, I, I, I got a lot of listener mail because saying like, we're Warriors fans. We don't want to watch them lose again. And to me, I just, it, it's, it's a shame because that team was so good and so much fun to watch and so dominant for so much of it that to just sort of write off those finals and just ignore them and pretend they didn't happen. It's just a shame because also they were really well-played games. And I just feel right. like, okay, you lose to LeBron James and just the, the best version of Kyrie Irving we've ever seen and probably will ever see. Mm-hmm. Like, that's okay. It's okay. It was one of the greatest series we've ever seen in our lives. Um, and it's and and by the way, you got three wins. You got three championships out of those years. So I think you can live with one losing one. So anyway. They're probably I I, doing yeah. it out of deference to Harrison Barnes because having watched back those, um, oh boy, yeah, it was it was I, rough going. And I and I stand for Harrison Barnes. I think that uh, he, he was absolutely outstanding and gets a bad rap, but those finals were rough. Um, the 73 win season was really interesting for me too, because I was, I had no affiliation with the Warriors whatsoever, mm-hmm. but I just really enjoyed watching that team. And so that was, that was the team that still cared. They still had the chip on their shoulder. They weren't. Yes. And I apologize again. I, I feel like I just make Warriors fans hate me on this show. They weren't <laughs> spoiled like these last two Warriors teams, like these last couple, those last three years of the Warriors right. were just spoiled. They were and entitled. And, and Steve Kerr basically said as much. He told me in an interview that, they expected to win the first year they had Kevin Durant. They just knew that they were had to win. And that goes without saying the second year too, when they did win with Kevin Durant. And it's just, it it was an entitled team. It was a spoiled team. It just wasn't as fun to be around. Uh, the guys were getting sure. older. They were more with, around their families too, which is like, that's not a bad thing, but it's kind of fun when the team's like young and just sort mm-hmm. of the coming of age thing is happening. That's always a good narrative too. So for sure, I, I, I think, you know, from the outside in, it was a 73 win year. And another year that I really liked, was that year that they lost to the Clippers in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That that was one of my favorite playoff series I've ever watched. I don't know where you were at that point, but do you remember that series? Because that's when I oh, yeah. thought Steph Curry is the real deal. I did not buy into Steph Curry being the absolute real deal Holyfield until 2015, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, until it seemed as if the game had shifted in his direction. It just didn't, it felt like he was a bit too early during that Clippers series. And I think that it's easy to come to that conclusion based on the result of that series, but man, it, it did not feel like it was their time. So much of that also having to do with Clay Thompson needing to mature a little bit more in and of itself and the Warriors needing to find the right pieces and Draymond probably more than anything else. Um, finding his role on the team, though, if you remember that series, he he certainly did find a role in that series of for, you know, f- foretelling things to come. But that yeah, that was a great season as well. Uh, if for no other reason than it became evident to the Warriors that they had a chance to do something, they didn't go into that first championship season thinking that they were frauds or that they had to earn their way to the next level. A lot of other people did that for them, but uh, clearly their play in the prior playoffs and the one before that had given them the confidence that they had sort of paid their dues and now was their time. Uh, They were on more of (laughs) an expedited timeline than most others, but uh, I think we're all happy that that was the case. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12-pack of beers while you watch the game, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I could think of delivery, too. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store, no more late-night fast food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. I just downloaded the Postmates app on iOS or Android. Find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start using your free deliveries, download the app and use the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for 100 bucks of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. 
So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive-thru for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think now's a good time to get into our mailbag. And this first question is, I think something on a lot of Warriors fans' mind right now. Mm-hmm. Is Rudy Gobert a good fit? Let's talk about just that first. Before okay. we talk about what it would take to trade for him, what it would then, uh, if the Warriors would pull the trigger on such a trade, Rudy Gobert as the Warriors center, do you like the fit? Hypothetically, obviously. No, I don't. Now, let's be clear. Um, he is a, an outstanding player and is perhaps, I would actually go as far to say, and arguably the best at what he does in the NBA. He is an elite rim protector. He is an elite defensive center in the paint. And um, that is not something, even in this era of pace and space, that should be scoffed at. I think it can really affect games in a big way. Uh, but in terms of fit, there are two things that stand out to me. One, the Warriors have never highlighted an individual center in the Steve Kerr era. Um, they, they like to piecemeal the position together. They don't like to spend big money on it. This is a reason why they're down on James Weissman uh, in, the, in this draft, should this draft ever happen. Um, they're just not keen on that, that position being a focal point in any way, shape, or form. Now, that said, if Rudy Gobert magically shows up on your team and you got to give up nothing for him, hypothetically, of course, even more ridiculous of a hypothetical, you're going to work around it, which then brings me to the next point. Draymond Green talks a lot about 82 game players and 16 game players. And we have Mm -hmm. seen now for the last couple of years, Rudy Gobert get run off the floor rather easily by teams that are willing to go small at the five play five out or a quasi five out perimeter play. And, and Gobert cannot extend out to the three point line and still be effective in it, in what he does. So I, I don't like that fit because I don't think that the center position at least the way that Rudy Gobert plays it, which is, again, extremely effective and would make the Warriors regular season defense better. I don't think that is the correct usage of the uh, <laughs> just sort of the, the that's not the correct way to handle what it is that they have now. They have a lot of right. assets available to them, using them to go get a guy who's going to get played off the floor in the playoffs at a position that you've never really cared for. Even if he's really good at it, I just don't think that that's a good idea, especially when we know more than anything else that the Warriors have to get wings. They have one wing, perhaps two, depending on how you feel about Clay Thompson. I would go as far to say he's a wing, but he does guard other teams' number one point guards in lieu of Steph. I, I just think it would be foolhardy inherently for the Warriors to go after a guy like Rudy Gobert, and we yeah. don't even know if he's available. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I'm glad you brought up James Wiseman, too, because um, it's sort of the same argument, isn't mm-hmm. it? Uh, mm-hmm. That it, it, I think a lot of people, and look, mock draft people will kind of superficially look at the Warriors. Well, they don't have a superstar center. They're investing this much money in Andrew Wiggins. They've obviously got the other three positions figured out. Just draft mm-hmm. James Wiseman. And it's easy to just pencil them in there. And I, I like, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's something I've said on the show a hundred times. They, it's a bullpen approach when it comes to center. And they prefer yes. it that way because you don't want to have to play a guy at the end of the ball game mm-hmm. when you want to be playing Draymond Green at center. And, and, and Steve Kerr still wants to be doing that. He still wants to play small. And you can't, like, oh, we'll just bench Gobert. You can't. He's getting paid $24 million a year. You can't not have him on the floor at the end of games. It just doesn't work that way. Well, you can. It's, it's just terrible asset allocation. And it, now you're it, now you're it, susceptible right. somewhere else because you use that asset on a guy who's not going to close. Don't think about who your starting you center is going to be. Who's going to be your closing center? Exactly. And you probably can't do it for very long because Gobert is going to throw a fit and get yeah. everybody in the locker room coronavirus and get traded. So. <laughs> Uh, I, I do think that um, I, I never th- took the Gobert stuff a- a seriously for the Warriors. I don't think that the Warriors would. If the Warriors have shown anything, it's that even with with a nod to the talent, they will always choose fit over just raw talent. They did it when they traded D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins. I don't yes. think – look, Andrew Wiggins is nice. He's a nice player. He is not as good as D'Angelo Russell in a vacuum. He just isn't, but he's a much better fit. And Rudy Gobert is a is the like you I agree with you. He's the best defensive center in the league. He's a top ten defense by himself in the regular Correct. season. Correct. And but like you said, 
what do you really want to do? What is the machinations that you want to make happen in a playoff setting to get to a championship and all these things? I mean, speaking of uh, fit over talent, this is, again, why they took Clay Thompson over Kevin Love, because mm-hmm. they could have made that trade, and they didn't, because they right. preferred that fit, and that's not something that they're willing to sacrifice. So with that in mind, I thought we could do some hypothetical trades. I don't even think it's uh, it's we even bother with it. Like The only, no, the only I, deal would be Andrew Wiggins and whatever draft capital it would take for Rigo Bear. I don't think they would do it, period. And I don't think the Jazz would do that either, for what it's worth. I, I, one, you're right on that. The Jazz would never accept it. I don't think that the Warriors would sell Wiggins for Gobert. I, 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 like, I, straight okay. up, Straight up, one for the other, I don't think they'd do it. Just because even Gobert is unquestionably a better player than Andrew Wiggins. There's no question about that. Who has the chance to help you in Game 7 of the NBA Finals in the final five minutes of the game more? Andrew Wiggins or Rudy Gobert? And as strange as this might sound to people, it's Andrew Wiggins. Especially if you then have 100 games uh, of track kind of going before this. Yeah. Whereas Rudy Gobert, we know what Rudy Gobert is. There's no more ceiling to be had with Rudy Gobert. He is an exceptional player again, but he is a player from sort of a bygone era. Um, and yeah, it, it, Draymond Green is going to be closing games at center in the clutch for the Warriors for the next couple of years. You don't need to go out and get a center. You need to go out and get guys who fit um, sort of the, the first, second, and third quarter options. That doesn't mean that you go out and get an all-NBA kind of player. And beyond that, I, I don't think Rudy Gobert fits in with the Warriors' offense in, in general. Now, the Warriors, Steph Curry might be interested in this. Uh, he might be interested in more 1-5 pick-and-roll options with everybody spacing the floor. But putting two non-shooters on the floor now with Draymond and Rudy Gobert, I think that would clog things up pretty considerably. I think the Warriors would look more towards a stretch five to play with Draymond as opposed to sort of a rim-protecting five, even though I'm sure it would work just fine on the defensive end. I agree. Um, let's move on to our next question. This one comes from Gary, who writes in, okay. the best player the Warriors could get with their pick and the traded player exception. And Gary offers a few of his own ideas. Let's Jonathan hear Jonathan Isaac, Jonathan Isaac, Jaron Jackson Jr., R.J. Barrett. Thank you. Uh, okay. No, thank you, Gary, for the question. Um, Jonathan Isaac, Jaron Jackson Jr., R.J. Barrett. All right, let's just eliminate R.J. Barrett and Jaron Jackson Jr. There's no way that the Knicks just move those players. Jonathan Isaac is interesting. I The Magic are very high on him. Yeah. But the Magic are also the Orlando Magic, so there's no telling what could happen. And something's got to give there. And if they fall in love with, like, say, the Warriors end up getting the number one pick, you would have to consider it if you're the Magic. I think that Jonathan Isaac would be the best option. That said, like, it snowballs chance in hell that they end up actually moving on from him because he's mm-hmm. one of the few guys who have actually – it looks like it's going to pan out yeah, of the guys they've drafted recently. Yeah, he's a legitimately good player. So now, Aaron for you, Gordon, I mean – Aaron Gordon is an option from the Orlando Magic. Evan Fournier, who I believe – yeah, Evan Fournier would be an option from the Magic. Um, there's, there's some interesting – players for, to be had in that for area. Fournier, you wouldn't give up the pick. It would be almost just right. a traded player exception. Um, well, you know, here, so, I'll be blunt. I've told a lot of people this over the last couple of weeks. I don't like any of these players in the draft. <laughs> like, I have no interest in any of these top five picks. I just don't see the upside. I don't see... Uh, if I'm picking in the top five, knowing what the Warriors need, knowing what the NBA demands, and, and seeing that this is a pretty irreversible trend... Right, So it was a point guard league for a long time. It is unquestionably a power wing league right now. Where's the power wing in this draft that's going to be in the top five or six? I, I don't see one. Anthony Edwards is a swing guy. Um, there's there's just the, the, the Israeli kid is really just a spot up shooter. Like I, I just don't see a guy who can come in and do a Paul George, a Kawhi Leonard, a LeBron James, a Kevin Gart or Kevin uh, Durant uh, impersonation or even come close to it. And I don't see anyone who even you can extrapolate out in the best case scenario reaching, uh, you know, NBA all star level as a wing. So yeah. I have no issue whatsoever if the Warriors want to dump this asset. I, I think that, in fact, the, the sooner they can get off of it, the better. Um, as awesome as it would be for them to have a player who could maybe come up after this, you know, th- this great dynastic core starts to age out a little bit, and they're, they're only getting older. That's how age works. Um, it'd be nice to have another player to come up with Wiggins. They could be a new core. Again, I just I just don't see it. Now, somebody somewhere in this draft is going to end up being really good, like just by the law of averages. But we don't know where that is. And if the Warriors, I think the Warriors would be behooved to even just trade down and just get a couple more shots 
at randos and, and see if they can find some high ceiling guys that, that might turn into something. Because again, I, yeah. I the top five options available is they're sort of laid out um, by the experts. I, I'm not seeing it. I'm just not seeing it whatsoever. This is, this is the already the team that's going to have the highest payroll in the league next year. And they have the highest paid player in the league next mm-hmm. year with Steph Curry. And, and I, I don't think that a lot of people consider what you have to pay a top three pick in the draft. It starts right. to get a little bit less when you get to the five, six, seven spots. But if the Warriors end up getting the number one pick, that's going to cost them $10 million. And that's a lot of money to spend on a player who may not be very good and who would otherwise maybe be the eighth pick in another draft, right? Well, let's, and let's be real. Draft. And let's be real about what they're really paying him. They're probably really paying him like $25, $30 million Because of the luxury tax. He right. doesn't get all of it, but... That's what they're cutting. So um, it's yeah, it's not it is not ideal. Um, Some other names that that jump out to me, um, Kelly Oubre with Phoenix, who has, I believe, one year left on his deal and is kind of a nice player. I'm not really sure fully what he is yet, but he fills up a box score pretty well. I had this conversation with somebody the other day. I love Kelly Oubre. I am. I've been I've been very high on Kelly Oubre since Kansas. So I'm I'm just admitting what right now I am admitting my I am admitting my bias. Uh, yeah. I, I think too much of him. However, uh, would you rather have him or Andrew Wiggins right now? All things considered, um, salary is equal. It's close. It's close. I'd probably rather have Wiggins for the upside. I don't think Ubre has the same ceiling, but a year from now, that that might sound ridiculous, you know? Yeah. I was one of the few people that said Ubre in this conversation, then I had everybody else said Wiggins, but I, I, I everybody said like Wiggins and Simon Close, so I, I'm more in line with you. Oh, where no, I it's think close. it is close. It's, it's yeah. close. I just, I don't see necessarily the defensive upside. Uh, not that there's, I mean, there's, there's, Wiggins just has a better frame. If I'm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's just it. Uh, I think Ubre has a higher floor. Uh, Wiggins um, has a higher ceiling, and eventually we're going to run out of time to continue to do this. Like, oh, what potential Andrew Wiggins has, and he's just going to be, you know, caked in. We're going to understand what it is, but for now, we can still sort of play the extrapolation game. That said, I mean, it, it, what a great question that would be to ask um, if you had both. Who's better? Right, and I think that is almost. I, I think Ubre fits what the Warriors need, but I just think that it's going to be really tough if you're trading a top pick and the trader player exception for Ubre, and you're bringing now him off the bench. I don't know that that works in that locker room, and I don't know that you can bring Wiggins off the bench. And, and I, I, I just don't know that the, the personal dynamics work. And that that's would be what my yeah. concern is. That that's a that's an extremely fair. Uh, Extremely fair question. Um, I actually have just found your list here from the Mercury News. And Will Barton at uh, $13.9 million would be a dream situation for the Warriors, I would venture to say. Um, I mean, Gary asked the best player. So I guess we'll – I think you and I owe it to Gary now uh, to – Mm. To just say who it is that we think would be the best option. If you're the Warriors, you're, you're making a list. And by the way, they are making a list. It mm-hmm. may not be on a whiteboard available to everybody, but it is a list of traded player exception targets. And they may not use the full allotment of the $17 million. I would actually be surprised if they did, mm-hmm. to be honest, given what's going to be happening with the salary cap. But uh, they do have $17.2 million thereabouts to spend on a player. They could package it with a pick or not, depending on the player, obviously. Mm-hmm. Who is if you, who's on top of your list if you get to make your list? Sabonis uh, from the Pacers. Yeah. Now I don't know if that works. Does that work under the or no? It's a, no Sabonis Seven, does work. It's Miles seventeen point one. Yeah. Sabonis works. Okay. Uh, and then when the Pacers say no chance, <laughs> because that's what would happen. <laughs> right? um, um, it's it's Ubre or Isaac and um, with Barton coming in just behind that. Yeah, somebody that's good upside, not in, not incredibly expensive, can can still grow into a role and obviously fits what the Warriors are looking but, for. But yeah, but like uh, I, I think Isaac's a no-go. I have a hard time seeing Phoenix move off of Kelly Oubre. I understand great. that they had uh, contract time. issues there and, and there were some peculiarities. I, let's be real, too. There are going to be some teams that are going to be looking to move off some cash after this. There are going to be a lot of teams that are financially hurting. Exactly, so maybe right. this list is a little bit longer than uh, we make it out to be right now. Um, I can think of a couple of teams, um, uh, the Houston Rockets being one of them, uh, that, that might be willing to make a deal, even with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, the, the Denver Nuggets, uh, an, another team owned by uh, the Cronkies, and the Cronkies are... 
yeah, they're 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 deep I mean, in it right now. Philadelphia is going to have one of the highest payrolls in the league next year too. And one guy that they may try to move off of is Josh Richardson at ten million dollars yeah. and 26, 27 years old next year. To me, that's a great fit. Like that would be. Well, I would call Philly and say, hey, there's a number of point guards at the top of this draft who you could play next to Ben Simmons or possibly be insurance if you have to eventually trade Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my sales pitch. I don't know that the Sixers would do that because they do they want to move off of a good young player on a great contract when they're trying to win a championship sooner rather than later. I Probably ex- not. Probably but. not. But let's extrapolate that. Um, Josh Richardson is uh, close. He's a two. I mean, he's a one, yes. two. And I guess you can slide him up to the three in small ball lineups. That's kind of what Clay already does. Are we just saying that Clay Thompson is now a three, four sort of a player, a three that can slide up to the four? Because Andrew Wiggins is that currently. I, I'm not sure if that's the best fit. The the starting lineup um, that would require somebody to be on the bench, probably Richardson. But in terms of a closing lineup, you have Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson, Josh Richardson, Steph Curry. I don't know. I, I'm not liking the size of that. So much of what makes Draymond playable at the five is that you got big, long dudes there. They need somebody with an Andre Iguodala body type or longer. Uh, Kevin Durant, uh, uh, the three sliding to the four who could play the five. Somebody like that, obviously understanding that the talent level is going to be uh far inferior to a guy like Kevin Durant or even an Andre Iguodala. Um, I, I think that you just need more length. And I think you really need to be thinking more front court than back court on this without obviously going straight to center, though I would argue Sabonis as kind of a sweet shooting four or five um, would be a really interesting option there. And I don't know what the Pacers situation is going to be when this is all said and done. It would probably take both of the Warriors picks this this year's and next year's one from yeah. Minnesota that's protected. But <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm a big fan I, of the next year Minnesota pick, so uh, I don't know if I'd be willing yeah. to give that up. Yeah, and I think overall, as far as trading out of this draft, I think you need to trade back in this draft. Yeah. Um, but I don't think you can afford to trade out of this draft completely, only because you kind of owe it to your own scouting department mm. to take a pick to to pick somebody. You kind of owe it to them. You haven't had a pick this high since 2012 you got to take a shot. Like there's going to be a good player in this draft. There is. And, and the Warriors are going to be in a position where they are probably going to be in position to take that player. Now, whether it's considered a reach at some point or not, or if they have to trade back and go get the player they're, they're really targeting, whatever. But I think that they can afford to do that. You mentioned Phoenix there. And I've talked to you about this before, but to me, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get off of this thing. The Ricky Rubio thing to me is a perfect fit. And I, I was watching one of these replays when it was Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala. I think it was from the 73. Oh, no, it was the, it was the finals, the first finals against uh, mm-hmm. the Cavaliers in 2015. And what just stands out to me so much is just how smart those players were in as far as pushing the pace, playing good defense, and obviously the passing is something that this team really lacks. And if you can get a genius-level passer in Rubio, despite of all, this, all, all of his other shortcomings that he has, he's a, he's a tremendous defender on the ball. Yeah, backcourt. Uh, uh, just again, genius level pass, passer, great basketball feel, stuff you can't teach. And I don't care about the shooting stuff because you got <laughs> Steph Curry and Clay Thompson out there. I don't care. Nobody cared about the shooting stuff with Andre Iguodala, who was a terrible shooter. Yep. Um, Sean Livingston didn't take shots from three point range. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like Rubio fits that mold if you're just looking to sort of recreate that thing. And again, when you're looking for novelty, in the NBA, which I think ultimately you were trying to look for in, in, in making transactions and acquiring assets and et cetera, he is as novel a player as there is. Again, there are shortcomings that come with that, but as far as basketball feel and passing ability, he would fit right into what the Warriors want to do. I don't question that. I just question if that's the best usage of the asset to go up, go and get a backup five or backup one. Um, it, inherently, he would not be on the floor late in games unless something. I think he could. I, I think you could play him. And I think it it goes to what you were talking about before. You would have to move Clay over because I think Rubio can guard three positions, but really you would really, you'd really be comfortable with him guarding two positions. Two. Um, yeah. So if you have Steph, Maybe. Rubio, I mean, Clay, he's, Wiggins. He's six, he's six three hundred and ninety pounds. I mean, yeah. that that's tough having him and Steph on the floor at the same time. It's tough having a guy who over the last three years has a forty six percent effective field goal percentage. Uh, it, I, I get it. I'm with you. Uh, he, 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 you know, he gets a couple of good rebounds every game. He's a great assist guy. He'll steal the ball almost two times a game. He's mm-hmm. a really good player. Maybe that's all the Warriors can do with the 17. Now you're not giving up the draft pick, 
to go get a guy like Ricky Rubio. But if, if there's no other market, you can certainly do worse. This is use it or lose it money. I just I am not a big fan of the fit. I understand what you're saying. I think it's it's salient where you know Andre Guadalla is a bad shooter, Sean Livingston was a bad shooter, but that was mitigated by the fact that Kevin Durant was on the floor or Steph Curry was on the floor always the last yeah. couple of years. And as you watch that first NBA finals, god damn, they just bricked 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 all the way down to winning a championship. I mean, outside of Steph and Clay, nobody wanted to make shots. And uh, Draymond shooting, which was actually something in that very first series 5 years ago, uh, that's fallen off a cliff. So again, we kind of get back to the situation where now you have where we're talking about with sort of Gobert in a way. It's sort of the anti-Gobert where you now if you're closing with Rubio Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry. One, I think your backcourt is, is going to get roasted. Obviously, um, Rubio's a much better defender than a guy like D'Angelo Russell. You can't divide by zero. But um, it, it's still tough in terms of size. And the twos are getting bigger. Uh, and Ricky Rubio isn't. And now you have two guys that you don't trust to shoot. Yes, one can create. Both of them can create. But you have two guys who, who are not out there to shoot. And that really does put more on frankly Wiggins because it's already heavy on the shoulders of Clay and Steph but now you have to have Wiggins be a lights out shooter he might be able to do that but I don't know if they're ready to experiment with that level of onus for for Andrew Wiggins right now I, again I, I wouldn't be opposed to it if this is all they could get um, obviously that requires some insight as to the other possible deals right. but um, it is I don't think it's it, it's a perfect fit. I can see a couple of wrinkles in this sheet with with relative ease. Uh, I think I think to go back to a point you made to be looking at the front court is exactly right. They need a guy who has that Kevin Durant like body mm-hmm. who can play the three or the four and maybe even help protect the rim a little bit because right. that was a huge. Uh, that that alleviated a lot of Draymond Green's duties the last couple of years was Kevin Durant basically playing center half the time that they right. him and Draymond were in the small ball lineups together. Yeah. Uh, you could have argued that Kevin Durant was best center in the league at times over the last couple of years. Absolutely. But I think that uh, those players are super hard to get. Right. Still, with those with the traded player exception, with the pick, whether you lump those two together in one sort of uh, asset package, or you're you're getting two separate players with those with those two assets. They need to address the wing one way or another because you're absolutely right now. In in so many ways, Andrew, the, Andrew Wiggins has a lot on his shoulders right now, and you need yeah. to go help. Like That was a start to the solution, but it was not the solution. And they need to keep adding to their depth on the wing, even if it means you're not going and getting Rudy Gobert, you're not spending a ton on center, maybe you're not getting a traditional point guard, but you're just adding more and more length, athleticism, and size to this roster. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Now more than ever, you need a laptop that can be as adaptable as you are. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Finally, a premium laptop at an affordable price. Starting at just $549, its light, thin design, vibrant touchscreen, powerful processor, and built-in HD camera and mic turns any room in your home into a classroom, office, or study hall. Available in three amazing colors the whole family will love. Visit surface.com slash laptop go for more details. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Final mailbag question. Michael asks, if you buried $7 million in cash to the New Mex- in the New Mexico desert and walked to civilization, how long would it take for you to find it? Also, please rank the Warriors by how quickly they would find it. I mentioned Better Call Saul at the top of the show, Dieter. We're yeah. bringing it back to Better Call Saul right now. If you don't know what we're talking about, I apologize. Go watch Bagman, go, the, the last episode of Better Call Saul. Actually, by the time we're recording this or you're hearing this, I don't know. Monday night is when Better Call Saul comes on, right? So another a new episode yeah. tonight, the penultimate episode, I believe, of the of the penultimate season. Um, yeah. Okay. $7 million in cash. It's in New Mexico. You've walked to civilization, so you are you are now hydrated. You are fresh. Maybe you've taken a shower. Maybe not. I don't know. 
what your life is like in these quarantine days. But now you have to go <laughs> back and find that $7 million in cash. How long does it take you to find it? Are you confident in your ability to find it? I feel good about my ability to find it. I've always been solid with directions. Um, okay. I, I, what? I said, okay. I said, yeah, I said, yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought you were calling bullshit on it. And I'm like, sir, uh, this, no, is, no. This, <laughs> this is my own positive view of myself. Let that me have this. That was not okay with an eye roll. That was a, an <laughs> acknowledging that you would, because now I'm thinking, I, I thought that was a very good way to kind of frame it. You're good with directions. These are sort with of, direct- this is your sweet spot. Yeah, I, I've been able to find stuff over there. I, I think the two characteristics that, that would prove positive, very good with directions in general, um, both you know geographical and also like do this, then that, and then this, instructions. Um, and the other one is uh, I got good reserves, right? Like I, I'm a pretty good endurance guy. Uh, I can be pushed to a limit and then another limit and then another limit. I got, I got reserves on the body. So um, I feel pretty good about it, though uh, – Going completely insane out in the New Mexico, Mexico desert does have to be a concern. So I feel optimistic, but uh, I would, I would, I would, I would definitely put it to where the odds would be in my favor. I'm just not sure if they would be in any way overwhelming odds that I would be able to pull it off. I, I'd still venture it to be around 55, 45, 55 pro, being yeah. able to get it. Uh, I I can deal with the heat. I have no question mm-hmm. about that. I am a heat dealer. Now, with can it. you hand, can you handle the dry heat, Wes? Absolutely. You're a wet. I you're think. a wet heat sort of man. I am a wet heat kind of guy. People tell me that all the time, but <laughs> it is. Uh, I I will tell you this: as soon as I bury that seven million dollars in cash in New Mexico, I will turn around and I will immediately have lost it. I have the worst sense of direction you have ever seen. I I I have no sense of where I. I actually don't. I never lose anything, so I wouldn't be for me a, of a lack of not being able mm-hmm. to pinpoint where it was that I put it. It would just mean trying to find that spot again, which right. would be impossible, especially in like – I first of all, I am not a directions uh, follower. I can't. Okay. I just – if you tell me, hey, go down on go down on Post Street, make a right on Sacramento or whatever, just et cetera, I'm like, just tell me like – what restaurant do I have to turn at? Like I am a, right. I'm a landmarks guy. And if okay. it's in the middle of the desert of New Mexico, it's like, if I have to pick one cactus from the other, I'm going to have no idea what to do. And so I, I, that $7 million is gone. So the last thing I'm doing <laughs> with $7 million is burying it in a desert. Uh, let's rank the warriors. Um, I don't want to rank all the warriors cause that is very boring radio very fast, but give me, give me your do... top three. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, number one, Juan Toscano Anderson. Uh, okay. I'll hear he... this out. He played in Mexico for the last few years, so he's like kind of used to it. I don't know, New Mexico, Mexico, it's like close enough. Okay. Um, so I think he would have some sort of awareness of like kind of he would have a feel, like he would have a good feel for where he's at. And plus, he needs the money. He's not going to let seven million dollars just lie mm. there. And he's and I talked to him. He seems like a smart guy. He seems knowledgeable. Yep. I think like you, he's probably an instruction uh, person who Clearly. deals well with those sort of things. Um, I don't think he would have an issue very having coachable. to build his IKEA furniture. He's very coachable. Um, and so I'm going to go want Scott Anderson because he's got the motivation and I think he's got some, some, uh, applicable experience. It's Draymond Green, and I don't think it's particularly close because Draymond Green just has the highest motor. And at some point it's going to come down to who wants it the most. Is it the playoffs when he is looking for the $7 million or not? Listen, first off, Draymond doesn't turn down money. It just he's he's turned down some money in the contracts. But as we've seen with his advertisements, this man is in it for the bag and um, seven million dollars now because. Yeah. Listen, we don't have to shit all over. They're actually some fairly nice shoes. But yes, he he is in it for the bag uh, and apparently a canvas bag. Nevertheless, uh, seven million dollars is enough for to pique his interest. I Steph Curry is the one that you never underestimate in anything ever. Scratch golfer, very smart guy, all this stuff. Steph Curry, I don't think would care about the seven million. I think that he has. I think that there's a cost benefit analysis that's going on in his head. Draymond would blow right through that cost benefit analysis. Say, you don't believe I can get it? Let me show you. And seven (laughs) days later, come back and and have the bag and somehow more money. I'm not sure how that would work. But um, Draymond, Draymond's the guy. Draymond's just a dog. Like, he's not going to let it go. And much like me, uh, has the reserves not only mentally, but a little bit physically, that he can survive out in the desert a little bit longer than the rest nice. of us. 
Uh, I agree with you 100% on Steph. He's going to be the highest paid player in the league next year. $7 million doesn't even make his no. – you don't even get his attention with $7 million. No. Um, let alone get him to walk into a desert. Uh, Clay Thompson would get is in a similar situation where he doesn't need the money. He doesn't have particularly much use for the money. He's a simple guy. Yeah. And he's probably got more money now than he's ever going to spend in his life. And Absolutely. I think he'll get bored extremely quickly. Like he'd be like, "Hey, would you that, rather that or Clay's a savant? That or Clay just like finds it automatically. So and no one that, knows how." I think I think Clay could go those two ways, but it would take him just being even an a ounce of motivation, and I just don't believe that it, that okay. ounce exists. Uh, Draymond Green was also on my list. I also included Damian Lee. Um, mm-hmm. He's a shrewd guy. I think he needs the money more than uh, Steph does. Yeah, uh, and I think there's a little bit of a walk into Thanksgiving, get at the Thanksgiving Day table being seven million dollars richer than you were, um, and uh-huh. he just seems like an organized guy, generally speaking. Very and I true. think that would help him. Yeah, so. very organized, and has been able to take directions. You don't go through the amount of injuries that he's been through, and in going through the rehab process, that's very methodical, very rote. Uh, that's a very good option. There's something about Marquise Chris that makes me think he could do it. He, he spent some time in the desert. Um, I, I think that uh, I think that he's got a pretty good never give up attitude. Uh, I, I'd like Marquise Chris's chances as well. And plus, you know, he probably owes some signing bonus money to somebody down the line. So uh, the seven million <laughs> might come in handy. Uh, he found his way out of Sacramento. He can find his way out of anything. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get to our Twitter polls to wrap up the show. The first Twitter poll. One's got to go, Dieter. Pizza toppings. Pepperoni gets 19.5%. Cheese, 17% of you guys outed cheese. And then meat lovers was 63%. It's gone. I think I made that poll way too easy. Who was getting rid of cheese? Yeah, that was my takeaway. (laughs) Does cheese even qualify as a topping? Or is cheese integral to the overall pizza experience? Uh, cheese is part of the defining things of pizza. If it's, if you don't have cheese on it, then it's, it's bread and sauce. And, and then I don't, I get whatever That's else. That's bruschetta. That's <laughs> correct. No, uh, I, I guess I would say this is only cheese. One's got to go pepperoni, cheese only, or quote unquote meat lovers, which is any number of bacons and sausages and things like that. But I thought I, I agreed with you. If you are even getting rid of just the plain cheese, you're not my friend. Like you don't like to yeah. me, I the first time I try a pizza restaurant, and um, you and I have lived on the East Coast, so we understand yep. what the difference between actual pizza and what it is that they serve in California is. <laughs> but I will say this. If, if a pizza place become, comes to me highly recommended, the first thing I do is order a slice of cheese. Okay? Yes, that's and fair. you got to know what you're the, working with. What's the baseline? And, the, and you can know exactly. You know two things. You establish two things right off the top. Number one. Do they sell slices by themselves? Because mm. if not, I'm not eating there. And if number two, that baseline of cheese. If if that's good, then I could trust you to start getting crazy with pepperoni and other things. But uh, you got to nail the cheese first. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I, I find that entire question flabbergasting. I, I guess I understand the argument against meat lovers. I'm surprised that the options weren't uh, pepperoni, uh, sausage, and then like vegetables um, or like, I don't know, like crust it feels like those three things are almost non-germane like meat lovers pepperoni and cheese they they just don't feel like we don't we don't need to attack the question maker okay okay. Uh, sorry sorry um but the vegetable that you would put on your pizza is um it's tough i i go three ways if i really had to get down to it it's going to be onion but i've also done uh, a lot of green pepper and I'm a big fan. I'm not sure if this even qualifies as a vegetable. Uh, jalapenos or sort of green, uh, you know, spicy peppers. Wait, what else would a peppers. jalapeno be? Not really sure. It's got seeds oh, and stuff. Okay, it might be a fruit. It's like one of those, like it's like a ketchup situation. It, like it, we don't really know what it is. Yeah, it feel it feels like it's right on the line in general. But um, <laughs> banana peppers, I'm a fan of. I'm glad you brought that up. I think banana. Anytime I've had banana peppers on a pizza, it's been an enjoyable experience. Um, I'll cop out and just say like arugula or whatever it is that they usually put on like those Italian type of things. The hell out of here. Um, I, I like it. Um, I like it too, but the hell out of here if we're talking about pizza. Like that, that that's just frou-frou nonsense. Uh, keep one. Social distancing <laughs> or internet buffering. 67% of you said you would keep social distancing over internet buffering. I suppose that is the only answer that was going to come back when I asked the internet if it would keep internet buffering over social distancing. Uh, 
I can't believe that 67% of you would rather not see anybody ever. You would trade that for for never having to deal with your internet loading. But that's what it had. 67% they'd keep social distancing. Uh, Wes, I might have uh, personally made this decision in my life at, at one point. Um, one of the main reasons that I moved from Oakland, um, where it was very easy to get into the city, and we had friends in Oakland and all this stuff, to Alameda, which is not very far away, but certainly a, a little bit uh, – outside of our normal demographic of age is, um, well, they got fiber internet over here and I was sick of, I was sick of the buffering. I, I, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't deal with Comcast or Xfinity or whatever the hell they call themselves anymore. Had to get on that fiber train. And, um, as a consequence, I rarely see people. Now it's very clear now, uh, that I would absolutely get rid of social distancing if for no other reason than the implicit understanding of if we're getting rid of social distancing, we've probably also gotten rid of the coronavirus. So I don't appreciate the selfishness on behalf of the audience there uh, wishing the coronavirus to continue. At the same time, um, I'm with you. I'm with like, I, I understand. Internet buffering sucks. And uh, let me tell you, uh, I haven't had internet buffering in a while, and it is absolutely tremendous. I'm living my best life. I need to look up this fiber situation. Uh, I don't know if I qualify in an apartment in San Francisco. Come to the I, island, baby. Come to the island. Final poll. One's got to go. Hand sanitizer or sex? You can only keep one. One's got to go. Uh, everybody's getting rid of the hand sanitizer just yeah. to get it on. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, you know, yeah, I don't think there's much of a 75%. 75% of people said I'll get rid of the hand sanitizer. Thank you very much. Did the other, did the other 25% go, this is, uh, you can't divide by zero and, and there's no real issue here. There is no sex henceforth. It, it, you're I not was, really depriving me of anything. <laughs> that's right. I was more interested to see what the skew would be. Um, How many, 25% of men in this poll were married. So that's awesome. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of hand sanitizer, but uh, there are other ways to. Uh, I guess there are other ways to do sex. So maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, I'd get rid of the hand sanitizer, though. Good soap never hurt anybody. Um, this is a good podcast, Dieter. Tell the people, tell our listeners where they can find you. I'm on Twitter at Dieter D I E T E R, but uh, I'm laying low for the next week because nobody's <laughs> paying me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. When we get done here, you can tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of another Locked On Network podcast, including Chad Ford's Big Board. His most recent episode is with Bill Simmons, so I strongly encourage you to listen to that. Thanks for listening to Locked On Warriors, and please stay safe. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowl. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.